From paper manufacturing to chemical production, the Koch family has established itself as an industrial powerhouse, stretching across more than a dozen companies around the world. Chase Koch, son of billionaire Charles Koch, has his sights set in a different direction, expanding into new territory to reinvent the family business by way of venture capital. As Koch industry grows, the multinational conglomerate finds itself on the cusp of an exciting new era as it invests in the technology of the future. In this episode of Influencers, Chase Koch joins me as we discuss this next chapter of his family legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer, and welcome to our guest, Chase Koch, who is the president of Koch Disruptive Technologies and a member of the board of Koch Industries. Chase, nice to see you. Thanks, Andy. Good to be here. So I want to ask you about Give Together Now, which is an initiative to raise money uh, to fight COVID-19. You've raised $60 million, I understand, over the past seven weeks. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, and this is part of a stand together, which is our philanthropic community um, that has been, uh, you know, growing for the last 20 years. Give together now is something that came together very quickly um, after COVID hit, and it's a partnership between Stand Together and a group that we've been working with for about three years, Andy, called the Family Independence Initiative. And um, it's just remarkable seeing these two groups come together uh, with a vision of getting money in the hands of people that need it most that are suffering right now, not waiting for the government to get money to them, but getting $500 per family to those that need it most. And uh, I think we've raised, we're close to the $60 million mark, um, which means 120,000 families um, have you know have that cash in hand to help support themselves through this very difficult time. So it's uh, it's been incredible uh, to be a part of that and uh, something that I've been incredibly excited about. And I've been a part of as well. Just in I'm in the tech community um, and reaching out to the network and seeing how many people wanted to jump in right away and help. Um, it's been pretty r- remarkable. And how do you actually get the money to people, Chase? Yeah, well, um, Family Independence Initiative has a um, as has an incredible uh, tech platform where they match up those that are that want to give money, and a lot of this is coming from the Stand Together network that's made up of, of about roughly 800 business leaders from around the country, um, and but beyond that as well, matching those folks up with those that that need it most, and uh, Family Independence Initiative basically has a database and people coming to them that are most in need that have been impacted by COVID. And then they have a way of of deciphering where that money goes to get it to them as quickly as possible. And we want to talk about your businesses and some other things as well, but what's it like on the ground right now in Wichita and what's life like for you? Yeah, I mean, Wichita is, you know, for, well, Coke Industries, uh, uh, I'll start with that. Um, obviously, you know, Coke businesses, employees have been hit with COVID just like everyone else. 
in the country and the world, frankly. This is my first day back at the office, um, Andy. And, um, you know, we're, um, we're social distancing, um, think, you know, obviously complying to all the, uh, the CDC um, guidance and, and regulations. Um, but we're starting to get back um, to work here. And, um, and so I think what's just driving here this morning, I saw a lot more cars on the road getting back to work. Um, and um, so I would say uh, Wichita is starting to open back up. We weren't hit as hard as, as some of the other larger um, cities in the country. Um, but things are starting to, to pick back up here at home. And what was your assessment or what is your assessment of the way the government uh, has handled the pandemic? You know, um, I would say probably, um, I think there's some some really great things that, that uh, the administration has done um, and some things that probably have room for improvement. I would say on the, the thing that is really, um, uh, I think positive, uh, would be on on the medical side and on, on the, the the health system. A lot of regulations that have been holding innovations back for some times were opened up, um, like telemedicine, right? Um, nurse practitioners being able to step in and act as doctors where they wouldn't, they didn't have that ability before, and to unlock more capacity to help more people. So I think there's some uh, in telemedicine as well, doctors working across state lines that weren't able to do that before. So my hope is that those aren't temporary, um, you know, uh, options for, for the health system and that, that, that can stick into place because it's, we've been able to help so many people through the health system and the rollback of, of those regulations. I would say on the, um, uh, on maybe an area that, I would have thought about it differently was the government um, making decisions in terms of um, what is a essential business and what's a non-essential business. Um, I would have thought about it more from a, the government as a framework um, of how do we keep folks health, uh, healthy and, uh, and safe, but try to push down the, the decisions to business leaders and if they demonstrate that they can keep people healthy um, and, and their data looks good from a business standpoint, then uh, let them make more of those decisions. So more of a bottom-up approach instead of a top-down approach. That's what I would say generally to your question, Andy. Gotcha. And of course, a huge story this week, Chase, is uh, the death of George Floyd, the gotcha. resulting protests and the, the violence and unrest in addition to the protests. You uh, have funded uh, Stand Together, as you mentioned, which um, fights for criminal justice reform. Absolutely. Do you think there's a connection between the problems with criminal justice and the unrest that we've been seeing? Well, the first thing I would say is that um, heartfelt sympathies to George Floyd's family and all those experiencing injustices. Um, this is, a, I think, a terrible reminder of how much work we have to do as a country to make sure that every individual um, has dignity and that dignity is respected. Um, I, I feel like um, that a cultural transformation needs to take place in this country. I think we, we all um, see that. And, you know, the ideas of mutual benefit and equal rights, as you mentioned, that's what Stand Together um, is all about. We have to respect those principles because that's what that's what makes the world go round and makes people prosperous and makes people better off. So 
um, I, I would say that um, that we've got a lot of work to do um, as a country, evidenced by what's what's happening right now, and um, and our work around this. I'll just share one example. Um, we support a group. Dallas, Texas, called Urban Specialists, led by Bishop Omar um, Jawar and, um, and Anton Lucky, and they do terrific work. Their organization is basically around how do you take potential would-be um, gang leaders um, and flip them into very productive members of society, going door-to-door -door and speaking to other kids about the downsides of violence and turning them into really productive members of society. They did a lot of work in helping people stand together. When there were the shootings in Dallas, you may recall, Andy, uh, several police officers got shot um, three or four years ago, I believe. And uh, Urban Specialist was an organization that came in and bridged the community together to help neutralize you know, uh, more and more violence from there. So. Our whole idea around this is we got to get all kinds of people to stand together and think about how do we help, um, how do we drive a society of mutual benefit where we're helping each other instead of hurting each other. And that starts with a belief in equal rights. Well, it starts at the dinner table with our kids, right? And these principles and what we teach them. So until we start thinking along those principles and, and basically all of America thinking that way, I think it, you know, it's going to be hard to overcome the situation that we're in right now. Now, Chase, are you on the same page with that thinking um, as your father? And, you know, does this thinking match uh, sort of the traditional political perspective that you've heard, that we've heard from the from the Koch family. Is it one and the same or is it a little different? Sure, so um, I mean, the principles that I just spoke of, you know, my father and I, my father and I believe in those and we're completely aligned. Equal rights, mutual benefit, openness. Those are the principles that makes, you know, has made this country great. Um, so I'm completely aligned with that. Of course, my father and I are two different people. Um, uh, and, and, but I, I, I will tell you that um, I've learned a tremendous amount from him, and we partner together on Stand Together. Um, I'm more passionate about the community side. I would say he is as well, um, but also on policy like criminal justice reform. Um, that's an area of passion for mine as well. And to your, to your comments on, uh, on politics as well, I think there's a misperception of, of Stand Together and also my father around politics. If you look at um, the, the, the money uh, and the capital that has gone into politics, it's less than 10% of everything that Stand Together does. We're focused on communities and education. And I'm personally politically agnostic. I don't think about it in terms of Democrat versus Republican. I go back to the, the, the ideas of what improves people's lives and stick to that and then let that be kind of my filter for what policy I'll, I will support or, or won't support. I hope what, that's yeah. And, and what role do you think the private sector or individuals like yourself, business people, what role do they have in terms of trying to um, help society out in this area? Well, I mean, I think uh, the private sector, just like a business like Coke Industries, for example, um, you know, our whole vision is, that we want to create products and services that improve people's lives while always uh, consuming fewer resources. 
we feel like that's the role of every business, right? You, I can make a product and you, it's better than your alternatives. And I'm, I'm lowering my footprint of raw materials and my uh, environmental footprint to make those all the time. That's our approach in every product that, that we produce. Um, so I think that's the role of business in society. So um, more broadly, now I don't, if you're, if you're talking like specifically around in the COVID environment, for example, what's, what's the role of business? Maybe I'll you know, answer that question as well. Um, I can mention just some of the things that Coke Industries is doing. I know so many businesses have chipped in. Um, it's been remarkable to see to, to help people during this um, very, very difficult time. Um, Coke has, well, Georgia Pacific, I think you know, Andy, is one of the larger platforms. Um, and we make uh, paper, towel, uh, paper towels, toilet paper, um, the emotion machines that you see there in, in bathrooms as well. And um, obviously in very, very high demand um, during this period. And it's been remarkable to see our business, um, our, the team get together and um, even in a social distance environment, figure out how to run those assets harder than they ever have to get product into people's hands. Uh, that's one example, but I would say um, employees within our uh, Coke Engineering Solutions Group spun up uh, some, some 3D printers to make um, face shields to get them to local hospitals. Um, our Invista Fibers Group uh, pivoted their manufacturing to, to make, um, to make uh, medical gowns as well. Um, our uh, Philips Medicize, which is our medical device um, company, is working on COVID um, tests as well. So the, you know, there's a number of things that I'm very proud of that Coke Industries has jumped in and, and helped and you know, pivoted so that we could help people with the products that are in need um, right now. So um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that. And what about Coke Disruptive Technology specifically, Chase? I mean, what, what's going on there? Yeah, so maybe I'll just give a little bit of background on what it is. Um, I started uh, Coke Disruptive Technologies about two and a half years ago, Andy, um, with the thought that um, that we could bring something different um, to the marketplace and really create a kind of a, a, a new approach to innovation for Coke Industries, but also bring something different to the market. And I'll, I'll explain. Um, as you know, Andy, Coke is uh, it's a global company. We're in about 60 different countries. We have 130,000 employees, but we touch um, the majority of the economy. You know, I mentioned wood products. We're in electronics. We're in software with Infor now with that acquisition. Um, we're in agriculture, a, a number of different verticals that touch the majority of the economy. And uh, when I was working in the agriculture group, I spotted this is again two and a half years ago. I spotted an opportunity to say, what if we brought all of Coke Industries together as kind of this Coke laboratory concept and offer that to technology founders in a way that they haven't experienced from other, you know, getting capital from venture capital or other corporate uh, VCs. And, um, and so that was really the idea on how, okay, how can we bring our assets, our, our capabilities to them in a way that they hadn't experienced before, um, in a way to unlock their potential, but it's a win-win, back to this idea of mutual benefit, that helps Coke Industries as well, because we're on this journey of 
trying to transform a lot of our industrial companies to being technology companies. So we feel like if we don't do that, our, some of our businesses will become dinosaurs, right? So we have, to, we have to stay ahead. And we saw this as an innovative model to basically have access to those technologies. Does that mean, Chase, that you partner with a lot of um, not only startups, but bigger tech companies as well. Talk about some of those relationships. Yeah, sure. No, great. Um, our role for Coke Industries, we're a separate business, KDT is. And so we originate, but we also make investments in these companies, but and then we also connect them into Coke. So that's our, that's our role overall. So um, we... Um, so we look across the, um, the spectrum of stage of company. We've invested in growth companies all the way to very um, early stage companies. And uh, it's, it's the tricky thing is you can't pin us down into kind of one sector, right? Because we're industry agnostic and we're stage agnostic. We, we, uh, we look at kind of four criteria in terms of the type of company that, that we want to work with and invest in. Uh, the first one is we want to see that they're principled entrepreneurs, great founders with great track records that align to our values, humility, you know, accepting of the challenge process, being able to pivot the company, um, integrity, all those things, right? Um, and then the second thing is we want to see that that technology or business model is highly disruptive versus alternatives in the market, either an order of magnitude lower cost or order of mag magnitude um, more value to the consumer, removing friction from a process, for example, or better customer experience. And then the third thing is we want to see that it has very, very high potential, multiple shots on goal, and can really impact millions of lives if it's successful. And then the last one goes back to mutual benefit, which we talked about. We want to bring value way beyond the check. We want to see that we can bring this Coke laboratory and add tremendous value to that company. And then that technology can also help Coke on, you know, um, coming back to us. So um, that, that's why I'd say the type of companies that were, I can maybe give an example if that would be useful, Andy. Yeah. Um, our first investment was actually in Israel. Um, it was a company called Insight Tech and it's, uh, they have focused ultrasound technology where um, it's amazing stuff. They're using sound waves instead of uh, scalpels, like basically arming doctors with sound waves to, for example, um, if you have a central tremor um, disorder, for example, which is a brain disorder that impacts 7 million people in America, they're using sound waves uh, to ablate the damaged tissue in the brain non-invasively instead of going in with a scalpel. And uh, a, uh, the patient comes out within two or three hours, you know, basically not shaking at all. So tremendous technology that we see is highly disruptive, but it can transform, uh, you know, millions of lives. They've already impacted 25,000 lives and they have a vision of impacting over 100 million. Um, so that would be just one example. And also a new area that Coke is getting into on the medical side. And that's one of the things that KDT hopefully can offer Coke Industries. I want to shift gears a little bit, Chase, and ask you about uh, growing up uh, in this family. Your dad, you know, is this iconic American businessman, Charles Koch. And my understanding, though, is that like your parents played books on tape by Milton Friedman. I mean, come on, what kind of what kind of crazy growing up was that was that all like? Well, I will tell you that. Um, yeah, I'll just maybe give you two examples of that would shed light on kind of growing up in the family. Um, the first one is like. 
everything goes back to being based on principles and the importance of principles. So as a kid, I remember, you know, we'd show up at the dinner table. We had the five things, love, courage, faith, honor, and loyalty. Those were our, as kids, those were our core principles. So uh, we were held accountable to those every day. So we'd show up at the dinner table and say, all right, Chase, what is, tell me one principle and how you exemplified that today. And I, that goes all the way back to when I was five, six years old. Um, so yeah. And then ideas, um, ideas such as mutual benefit and, you know, taking the gifts that you have and, um, exp and exploring those and developing those and being the best you can be. That's Abraham Maslow, right? So back to your, ba back to your example of, um, you know, we did have some books on tape uh, that I, I learned a lot of these ideas as, as a young kid. And Maslow is a good example of that. He's someone that influenced me and still influences me in terms of focus on where you have a gift and where you have a passion and then make, make the most of it. The other example I'd give you um, that really was a huge influence on my life um, was my first job at Coke. Um, when I was 15 years old, um, I was... Uh, I worked at the feed yard um, for the first time. And just to back up a little bit, I grew up playing a lot of tennis. So I was a competitive tennis player. I, I played on the national circuit. And um, when I was 15 years old, I got burned out and tired of it. And I remember throwing matches intentionally to, uh, to come home and be able to hang with my friends and not play tennis. And, uh, and I remember my pop calling me up to the office and said, you can either continue play ten playing tennis and playing 100% or I'm going to get you a job. I said, get me a job. And my stuff was packed the next morning. An old pickup truck picked me up five and a half hours later. I was shoveling cow manure and uh, digging post holes in Syracuse, Kansas. And I will tell you that that was, that was one of the biggest inflection points in my life, going from kind of, you know, country club to working hard and understanding the value of work. And it was like my grandfather told my father, well, the way I felt coming coming out of that was it was kind of this glorious feeling of accomplishment. Who would have thought that shoveling cow manure would make you feel that way? But it was the first time I actually, you know, really learned the value of a dollar and working with a team. So that was a big uh, change in my life at that point. And, and you've been working at the company for, for how long now? Basically, since you were a teenager? Um, yeah, so, well, 15 was when I started and I worked basically every summer. Um, I worked in the refineries, I worked at the gas liquids plants, worked in uh, distribution all the way until, um, you know, probably sophomore year in college, worked summers, but then um, went to Texas A&M, moved to Austin for, for a while and then came back and I've worked at the company since 2003. So full time goes back to 2003, so 17 years um, I've been with the company. And there's some people who say, Chase, now that you could be the person to be stepping into the, the top job. Is, is that something that people are at least on the right track about, perhaps? Yeah, Andy, you know, that's one of those things where I think a lot of people look at it and assume just because the Coke is on the side of the building and it's my last name that, well, this is the guy, right? And that's the way succession works. And he's being groomed for, for the job. And the, the thing that's important to understand about Coke Industries and the way we look at this is it's a meritocracy. And we believe in putting the right people in the right roles, no matter what the role is, no matter who has what last name, that's what's gonna add the most value. Um, and um, that's what's gonna make Coke Industries keep going for uh, many generations. So am I that 
guy or not, I don't know at this point. Where more my focus is, I want to make KDT successful and do a really good job there, and then maybe a, a bigger job is there for me in the future. Um, I, you know, I'll always be a part of Coke Industries. I'm a shareholder. I want what's best for the company and the right person in the right role. So that's how we consistently think about it. That's funny you said the word shareholder because my next question is going to be one that your family has always asked. But how come this company has never gone public? And take us inside. You and your father must have had many conversations about this. Well, I mean, it's um, we believe there's significant advantages of staying private. Um, and, uh, you know, being able, one is, I mean, you know, just having a relatively small board to move quickly and make decisions on large acquisitions. Um, we think it's really important that it's an aligned board, aligned vision, aligned values, um, and to make sure that we keep the board that, that way. So staying private helps with that as well. And I just think um, that, you know, being private is one of those things that has got us to this point um, to be able to, to move quickly and capture opportunities. So I don't, I don't think it's in the cards anywhere in the near term um, to, uh, to even consider going public. We want to stay private as long as we absolutely can. Last couple of questions. What do you see right now, maybe in terms of everything going on with, say, for instance, coronavirus, or just maybe the business environment, generally speaking, that is influencing your thinking, your family's thinking about how you're pointing Coke into the future? Well, I would say like KDP specifically, um, I mean, it's not, there's nothing that's changing our vision in terms of unlocking uh, founders potential that we, that we want to invest in and helping them succeed. But in terms of where tailwinds are now and where um, different areas that we might uh, put more emphasis on, I would, see, I would say one is around um, communication technology, cloud technology, IT infrastructure. Um, Sachin Adela, I read an article a couple of days ago where he said, from the CEO of Microsoft, said um, that, that we had three years of digital transformation packed into about three weeks, given all this work from home. Um, so that has massive implications that we're obviously trying to get our arms around right now, but we want to be, we want to help those technologies succeed, right? Um, cybersecurity is a big deal within kind of that theme in terms of if we've got more and more devices out there, more people working remotely, um, it, uh, there's more exposure for people to come in and attack, right? The, the attack surface has grown. So we've, we've got a number of cybersecurity companies that, that we're looking at and that we have invested in. So I would say that's one theme. The second one uh, that's big for us and we're seeing a lot of flow around right now um, is in medical devices. I mean, clearly with COVID and just um, how we got caught off guard as a system, as a society, I think, around that. Um, there's so much there in terms of um, telehealth, um, testing devices. Um, one of the companies that we invested in out of Israel called Viar, this is radio frequency um, semiconductor technology that has the ability, it's like Superman vision. It, it has the ability to see through walls and see through smoke and dark. But what they're using it for in hospitals in Israel right now and experimenting with is this whole idea of, of the trend of making something touchless for a doctor or for a nurse. They don't have to touch and interact with a patient as much. They can monitor uh, heart rate, uh, respiratory rate from this chip and without ha actually having them connected. And it's the same for the home as well. So the, 
that type of technology is really interesting to us. And as I mentioned, Philips Metasize is actually working on a COVID test um, right now. Um, so that, that's, that's something that Coke Industries and KDT, we're searching out uh, those technologies. A lot of interesting stuff. I like that Superman vision stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. It has so many uh, implications and applications. It's really interesting. So this program is called Influencers, and I want to ask you, Chase, how you see using your influence on society. Yeah, um, well, I, I would say um, almost everything that I do and, frankly, stand together and the company does our whole vision is that how can we help people unlock their potential? Everyone has a gift um, and everyone has tremendous potential. How can we remove the barriers that stand in the way of unlocking each individual's potential so that they can do that? So that's something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And if you look at what I'm doing with KDT, it's about unlocking the founder's potential. If you look at what we're doing with Stand Together, it's about unlocking everyone in this country that we, we, that we can, um, unlocking their potential by removing barriers, There's, whether it's education, whether it's in communities with poverty, addiction, violence. Um, and then you mentioned before criminal justice reform as well. Um, those policies that, that are standing in the way of helping people, those are the things that, that we focus on. So me personally, um, I like, I get to bridge those two worlds together, which is, that's, you know, I have two roles, one to stand together and one with KDT and Coke Industries. And um, as I'm out looking for technology, I'm also, you know, talking to those founders about if your company becomes successful, how can we help you unlock your potential from a philanthropic standpoint as well? So it's been really fun, like over the last two to three years, how my role specifically has aligned around that North Star. Chase Koch, president of Koch Disruptive Technologies, member of the board of Koch Industries. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. You've been watching Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer. We'll see you next time.